0: That would be the incumbent. Somebody like Macho Man that come in, you know, the great player that can all of a sudden says, "You know what? I'm going to crush everybody in this game."
1: What's up, everyone? Today we've got the mastermind behind many of the high-stakes poker shows. Poker tournaments as well. I'm not actually sure, but I know Mastermind of High Stakes Poker and Poker After Dark and all that stuff. One of the most well known poker producers and president of Poker Go, uh, Mori Eskandani. Did I pronounce that right? Mori Kandani?
0: Yes, you did. Perfect.
1: All right. Because I think, I think um, I've got it wrong a couple times. Before. Did you also produce a lot of the uh tournament, uh, tournament showings as well? Well, I'm not 100 sure on that.
0: Well, uh, been producing World Series of Poker. I guess that's uh, <laughs> that's a tournament. But uh, yes, we, we had the uh, heads-up championship for NBC. That was one of the uh, very first mm-hmm. tournaments, you know, that uh, my company produced. And I always hate to say I produce anything. It really is never I in production world. Anybody that works the production world knows that it's just a combination of everyone coming together from technical and experience and uh, stamina uh, to make it happen. Some some days uh, can go 18, 19 hours. And uh, it's just impossible if you don't have a really good crew. So... uh, uh, I never, ever want to say that what happened in my production life, it was about me. It's just I was such a small percentage of it, and I'm not trying to be humble. It is the truth.
1: It makes a lot of sense, yeah. It's pretty easy to like forget about all the people that go into the makings of various things um, and a lot of different things in life. Uh, production makes a lot of sense because that's massive team effort. Um, so you started out, uh, actually playing poker and in fact, you were born in Iran. I don't think most people know that. I didn't know that. Um, so can you tell us a bit about, uh, what it was like going from Iran to the U S
0: well, um, my favorite way of summing it up in poker terms is that I was born in Azerbaijan of Iran mm-hmm. and, uh, Then I was uh, raised in Tehran, uh, which is the capital of uh, Iran now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was re-raised in Portland, Oregon uh, when I was a teenager. That's where I moved to. And I was Czech-raised in Las Vegas most of my life. So that's pretty much... uh, Wait, did
1: you say (laughs) Czech-raised?
0: Czech-raised in Las Vegas since 1984. Uh, so most of my life I've lived in, in Vegas, and uh, pretty much all of my life, uh, you know, ever since uh, since out of college, it's been nothing but poker.
1: What does check raise mean? What do you mean by this? Uh,
0: ch- check raise. I mean, where else do you get check raise? You only get check raise in Las Vegas. Nowhere else do people check raise you. <laughs> when I moved to Vegas, I moved in to play poker, and uh, I was check raised. Quite a few number of times, (laughs) it
1: made me. Does that mean like surprised or what?
0: No, just just the reason I moved to Vegas was to play poker. So um, that part of my life, uh, you know, the the reason I moved to Portland was go to school, um,
1: oh, see,
0: study and do a lot of you know a lot of um, you know business that we had in mind in in the seventies. And then uh, come 80s and, uh, you know, the whole world had changed, my world anyway, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, the revolution happening in at home, losing my father, losing the business, pretty much going, you know, from someone to, who had everything as a teenager and a very bright future to uh, uh, what am I going to do with the six months late notice on my apartment <laughs> for rent? So, uh, uh Yeah, it's it was, let's say, interesting times.
1: Uh, That would uh, it makes for a good story. I suppose that's true. Um, Yeah. So I I understand Iran is like, I would think that there's not really much poker in Iran because it's very religious. Um, Usually, these places. I'm just curious how you got into poker because uh, I, I read that. At the age of seven, you tore up a shoebox to make cards. And <laughs> well, it seems like you must have got into it early.
0: Of course, depending on your family. You know, like, yes, they were playing. Plenty of people were playing poker in, in Iran or Persia, as, as many people call it uh, sometimes. Um, even two of the world champions World Series of Poker champions are Persians. Hamid Dasmalchi and Mansour Matloubi, they were all both Iranians. So right. for a country that has such a small population uh, or percentage of poker players, it is amazing that we actually have two WSOP uh, main event champions. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, it, it depended. It, it, there were a lot of gaming there were even casinos uh when uh, i was in, in my teenage years in, in 1960s and uh and early 70s uh, but it wasn't allowed in our house so uh, my cousin uh, showed me how to take make um, uh, playing cards out of a uh, out of a shoebox so we cut them we made them and he t- he taught me how to play poker and it was a strip deck by the way so um there was six and six and above what what, what is short deck now it's being known uh, that was my first education and he, he he taught me how to play the game and believe it or not we played all night and i was 7 years old but it was all closed card five card you know every all, all what what kid doesn't like to learn how to bluff mm-hmm. <laughs> they just you know like if if you take bluff out of the game there's no game so it was all about, let's see if you can bluff. Yeah, it, it, was, uh, uh, it, it was a very, very, uh, um, how would I say, early education, but it really didn't come to me until um, I was in college at Portland and in Vancouver, Washington, there were card rooms there. That's where I really got introduced to poker. So I knew the principle of poker, but I did not know the the stud part of it or, you know, or, or hold them part and all that was uh, in college in uh, Vancouver, Mm -hmm. Washington.
1: Um, So it sounds like you played short deck like at seven years old. Is that right?
0: I did. I did play short deck seven years old again. It was very, very rudimentary, you know, like this is a full house. This is, you know, like I learned the hierarchy of the hands very quickly. So uh, outside of that, uh, no strategy or any kind. I, it, it's not like I played in high school. Uh, we, we hardly ever played poker uh, until um, I was in poker And I was fascinated. The first, first game that I learned to play was five-card stud. And it was absolutely fascinating. I, I thought, you know, this is, yeah, it was, I was, I couldn't wait for the weekend to arrive so I could run out there, play 25 cents Annie and uh, uh, one and $2 limit, uh, seven card stud. And believe it or not, I remember one night winning $500 in <laughs> <laughs> a one and $2 five card stud. Just imagine that. Imagine. And imagine how hard I got hit with the deck to win $500. Well, yeah. maybe
1: they're really bad also. I don't know um, what these guys must be playing. Like Maybe they just like, can't fold or something. I uh, should ask, oh, I want to ask, what was so fascinating about it? Reading people. I mean, to me, just
0: it, it was, I knew some people had that gift. I knew like they had a tell on me. Sometimes I got called. You know, as the newcomer, and you start, you know, studying yourself, studying other people, and, and, and thinking, wow, uh, how interesting is this? You know, there's something inside of you just has to, uh, you know, connect with the other person and try to uh, put the pieces together. So to me, uh, it wasn't about math at all. Of course, math became a really big part it, as I learned, you know, like, uh, especially in, in uh, Texas Hold'em. And uh, seven-card stud, uh, it be, you know, it was complex math. It wasn't as, you know, as simple and clear as five-card stud. But still, reading part of it, you know, like uh, getting together, and, uh, you know, in, 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 at the poker table and having, you know, certain people that you played over and over and picking up on something that they just never knew you picked up was fascinating. And uh, that part of poker is, to me right now, is sliding a little bit, and it's kind of hard to see. It's 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 become more of a dollars game. Uh, I feel like um, the old days poker was uh, driving an F1 formula car, and where you know you had to change gears and stop at the right time or speed up at the time. And now they're saying, it's all right, Scott, we got it. They got it. The car can drive itself. You know, just <laughs> sit in there and and type in these codes and there you go. It's just different products. I feel uh, a lot of the players that are playing now, they, they, they're so advanced as part of, you know, how the game is played in different level that I grew up with. Sometimes... Um, I'm, I hope that I'm wrong. Uh, you know, I, I'm just not an expert in that area. You probably know a lot more than me if it is true or not. If if we have a chance, if I have a chance playing against someone that's a, uh, a GTO wizard, <laughs> I, I don't know if I do or not. I I don't know if I'm completely sold, but I sure I, I know it's something that I need to learn all over again if I ever retire and get back to poker again.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's changed really a lot. But uh, if you play in some soft games, you can get away with. It. You don't really have to know all the theory and all of that. You just need to know, like, some baselines, and it's cool. Um. So what made you decide to become a producer? Uh, because uh, I understand after playing for 30 years, you decided to produce shows. What's up with that? Or how did you get into that?
0: Just like most things in life, you, you know, things that you don't plan uh, – are what shapes your life. It wasn't like I was never planning in in my wildest dream that I was going to be uh, uh, a television producer of any kind. I was perfectly happy playing poker. I had my own time and, uh, you know, uh, freedom, as you well know, poker players enjoy. Uh, And by sheer luck, I was introduced or I started, or, or someone just ran their path, ran by my path in 1987 in California, where stud became legal California were all games and they didn't consider stud being a, uh, quote unquote, uh, uh skill game. And once that got legalized, it was amazing. Uh, be a lot of uh, pros from Vegas. We used to uh, drive over to California and just play, uh, hold them and stud, which was, you know, the games were incredible. And I uh, ran into a gentleman named Henry Ornstein who passed away last year uh, at age 96, and he was still playing, uh, you know, seven card stud and, uh, you know, with a bunch of friends. Uh, Henry uh, was a visionary. He was not from. World, and he knew that uh, the game that uh, he, you know we are we are so used to uh, so easily came to us, and so it was it was so exciting for us was nothing but boring uh, television. Where when he saw it on ESPN, and uh, he could see that it, with uh, basically showing. The whole cards, if you could somehow show players whole cards, that could capture the audience, just like any industry, people within that industry don't have the vision to see outside group, you know like what they want to see, what gets them you know uh, excited and motivated to uh, uh, join and watch poker, for example, a game that came so naturally to all of us in the poker world was quite different like we enjoyed poker we didn't have to see uh, each other's whole cards playing to get our juices flowing like we tried to beat each other and uh, uh, play the game in you know in a level that pros play or even uh, good recreational players play didn't really require to see whole cards as a matter of fact it required for you to protect your whole cards but when it came to TV, showing that element on TV didn't make any sense. So Henry Ornstein, uh, he he obviously saw that clearly that you know, like without whole cards, you don't have a game for television. And once the whole cards came in, and you could see audience rooting for a river card for their favorite player or gasping for air when a 300,000 dollar bluff was shoved to see what the outcome going to be uh, everyone knew you know the 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 man that started the transformers just transformed poker into a general audience and made it like a television show um I was one of the pros that even at that time, even though I was working very closely with him and I was his confidant and uh, partner, uh, getting the whole cards going and getting the TV shows started, I didn't have his confidence. And I didn't know if the players are going to actually agree to show their whole cards. And uh, Henry said, don't worry. You put the camera in front of people, you can ask them to do many things. (laughs) it was right again Uh, I mean it's not
1: that valuable like who cares really I mean like maybe people play different on TV like I don't know I haven't gotten so much information off people from TV like I can't really uh, I haven't gotten like a wealth of info watching people I don't even have time really to watch too much TV frankly not
0: not even that I mean look nobody's probably seen enough uh, poker hand me and uh, our senior producer, who's been with me for good 15, 16 years, Dan Gotti, he put it in a really good uh, uh, form for me. He said it's like watching a maze. Right above. You can see how they got out, and they've dropped you in there. You're still lost. So, you know, like watching poker on TV with whole cards, it's not exactly going to make you a world beater because you're watching all the greatest players play. When you jump into the in the table playing with them, you're still going to be lost. Because you know, like the choices are A, B, C, D, E, F, you know, you name it. You don't know which one, you know, they're which gear they're on. And uh, uh, and he was right. I mean, you still have to get in there and play and get the feel with different players, um, to become a better player. But obviously watching, you know, with whole cards is going to help you you're going to pick some nuggets from each show. So it's mm-hmm. valuable, but it, it's not the final solution.
1: Well, someone would have probably done it at some point, also, so there's that. I mean, right. Like, kind of, so a lot of things are sort of inevitable in, in some kind of way. Um, at least that's how I look at it. Like, the, if that needs there, someone's going to make it. Yep. Uh, I recall, I recall uh, when we talked before. Um. I like gave you an idea, and you said to me that a bunch of different ideas have been pitched, and for whatever reason, a lot of them haven't gone through or just weren't really that popular or something like that. I forget. I forget what you said with regards to that.
0: Well, you know, once poker became popular on TV, everyone had ideas. You know, everyone would come. You uh, and most of these people that came with ideas were not from poker world, you know, they were from uh, television world, from production world, really. but they didn't realize that us playing poker, you know, for so many years, for decades, there wasn't an idea that we didn't think about if there was something, you know, like we could do, any kind of a gimmick uh, we had thought about it, but we even tried some gimmicks. You know, we uh, uh, tried uh, some things that made sense for us to do. But it came out after uh, all the trials and errors. Uh, it boiled down to, you know what, you should just keep the game pure as it is. You can't take the game like basketball and try to make a gimmick and uh, have it become successful. People want to see the best player play the game. And that's what's going to sell, and that's what they're interested in. So, uh, we've done gimmicks, yes, but am I uh, uh, a proponent of gimmicks, gimmicky poker? I'm not. It just, it just hasn't worked, and I don't think it will.
1: Hmm. Uh, okay, I'm kind of curious to explore myself, but I can see that being true. It's hard to replace the simple, the best. Watch the best play, and that's it, sort of thing. Yeah.
0: I think the closest we ever came to a gimmick that made sense was doubles poker championship where uh, pros took turn playing different streets. So if you and I were partners in the game against playing two other uh, players, you played the, you played before the flop. I played the flop. You played the turn. I played the river. So, uh, and then sometimes like before I make my decision, be like one chance of, consulting and we actually filmed that so you could hear the players saying what should I do here whatever should I go for the bluff or should I go for value bet whatever it was and um, you know I mean we thought that was going to be pretty popular and it wasn't like it, it, it was rejected by all but people didn't people just said you know what just let me see them play straight poker one man you know per hand and uh, let the battle go that way instead of you know trying to be a partner
1: yeah, I guess I guess uh you know when you're at yeah, I guess it's easy to like think that people might want something that uh you might not want, but I guess people want the same stuff a lot. I guess it makes quite a bit of sense. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's look, people when you think of something, uh, you're fascinated by it. It's always like that. You know, it's not I mean, I remember, again, going back to the 1980s, I kept thinking, you know, like we're games people. Why is it that we haven't come up with a game that we could sell? I mean, we have to be better than people that are not from the gaming world like us, putting stuff in Toys R Us and other stores and, and, you know, like Transformers, like Henry, uh, making these games or toys and, you know, making a lot of money. So, I came up with this idea. I thought it was genius. I was so excited. And it was basically playing chess with dice. I called it dice chess, where just, you know, a, a, a die happens to have six sides and there's six pieces in chess game So, I came up with this whole thing, did a write up, and got all the way to the point that I wanted to do a patent. And when I hired a patent attorney, he, he did a search and came back. He said, Maury, there's eight hundred and sixty-four similar ideas. <laughs> and I was thinking I just thought of something that nobody else did. Oh and, yeah,
1: people thought of all sorts of shit. <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh look at chess. Has chess changed? No. I mean, everyone tried to bring some gimmicks to chess, but people want to just see the game in its pure form. Same thing is true about I think all the games, not not just poker, but anything else that's like in this pure form, that's what is fascinating to a lot of people.
1: I don't really get it myself, frankly, Um, but okay. I I kind of want to research why this is, but I'll I'll figure that out on my own, I guess. This just seems a little strange to me. Um, Yeah, I just don't work the same as other people, perhaps. I I want to ask, uh, did you, I read that you had many uh, business, experiences before did they help with this production company because i i would think going into production is not like that easy it seems like quite a complicated business
0: um well i did have business experiences before i graduated you know uh, with a business degree and um, i helped you know in my father's business uh, which was an important export so i i had you know some basic ideas you know, how to uh, uh how to work with people how to get people motivated, and things like that that's kind of for business but um uh, production business that I got involved, like I said, I had so many people help me yes, did I go into uh uh Studios and sat with editors, uh, two shifts at a time, literally going 90 hours a week. You know, trying to learn exactly how you're going to, uh, how, what, 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 how do they cut the shows? How do they edit the shows? Here we are, we filmed something for eight hours, and we are trying to make two hours of TV out of it. Uh, especially with high stakes poker, I really got involved, and uh, because I was a cash game player, I wanted to make this was done right and was coming out the way it was supposed to and believe it or not in the er early years of high high stakes if I go back with the knowledge that I have right now uh, I would leave so little on the cutting board because the conversations and everything else was fast but here we are you know like the network ones 13 episodes from 3 days from 24 hours that they played and um I, I was trying to help the editors to put that together and I would watch the whole 24 hours and literally like put pins on where you go in, where you come out, all that good stuff. Uh, with, with today's knowledge, I would probably keep 80% instead of 50% or 40% in some cases. You
1: would, um, what?
0: 80%? Like I would, I would have kept, you know, like for, for example, a 24, a 24 hour, uh, uh, Play. They played eight hours a day for three days, so 24 hours became 13:44 minutes. So better than like 60% was gone. Like I had, I had to pick and choose. Um, I mean, now some people might argue, no, 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 that's what made it good. You know, it was highlights of you know like big hands, but you don't have to. Have, you know, poker, you you, you know, you play in a game that's fun you're never you're never tired you can you can watch the whole thing and uh, as a matter of fact that has happened in the you know in some of our shows when we went into poker after dark mode we kept 80% 85% of the hands they played and people still you know, admired poker after dark and there was a lot of followers you know like actually made it went into more countries than any other shows poker after dark so um uh, yeah uh, what i was saying You're saying, how did you get into the production business? I learned how to produce, but the business of production, it wasn't like I bought TV trucks or cameras or anything else. Uh, I had a lot of pros that I basically partnered up with and they helped produce the shows with me giving them guidance, you know, like what poker is all about. So, um, uh, yeah, it was a it was, it's a difficult business if you're uh, especially now, um, uh, I just want to go back and say, you know, like I was talking about, luck plays always a big role. In, in, in my, it has played in my life, that's for sure. But in many people's life, what you don't expect makes you successful or brings something forward. And uh, production, to me as a poker player came by pure accident, running to uh, Henry Ornstein in 1985, and uh, in 1995, we were working together, put a poker table together with whole cards. And fast forward, in 2015, my company uh, being bought out by uh, Poker Central, uh, which uh, Carrie Katz is behind, and again, I ran into somebody that had great passion for, for the game and the means to support it. And he bought my company, and all of a sudden, we went from production to production and distribution. So that's a lot harder, believe it or not. Just producing something, okay? Like if people came to me with ideas and said, okay, go sell it, and I'll produce it. Uh, if you came up with some, you know, hey, let's do this this tournament, this, that tournament, so okay, go to sell it to a network, sell it to a, a, you know, Uh, some distribution company and I'll produce it. So uh, believe it or not it was a lot easier but now we are producing and we are distributing. We have Poker Go subscription channel, we have several OTTs you know the digital channels like YouTube and you know so it becomes a lot different strategy like what you're producing you're also thinking you know okay this has to distribute well for us to make money.
1: Oh, I see, I see. So you work both ends
0: of... Uh... I'm still learning. Believe it or not, I'm still learning every day. There's not a day go by that I don't learn something new. Luckily, I'm surrounded by a lot more smarter people <laughs> than me, and uh, uh, so things are fine. Things are w- working out smoothly.
1: Do you have, um? do you have like a favorite show that you produced?
0: Well, It's easy for me to say uh, my favorite show is High Stakes Poker because to this day, I'm still involved, you know, producing it, still involved, sitting down in the voice room, voicing it and, and, you know, with the talent and getting it going. Uh, But uh, going back to the uh, earlier years of High Stakes, I actually was the person that would contact players. I was actually the person that would try to bring the lineup that i i would i would you know was familiar with and i knew would make good banter between the players and it would be like exciting uh, game for the people to watch Uh, players like tom duan uh, they didn't need you know i wasn't at the mercy of the cards to have a good show because i knew with uh, his playing style you combined it with antonio's Fandiaris and uh and uh, uh, Doyle and, you know, different styles, like even going back to Guy Laliberte, recreational players, Jerry Buss, you know, from uh, Lakers. um, You know, like I knew this combination was going to be a pretty good game. Nowadays, I'm not familiar with a lot of players. So, uh, thankfully, I have Branch Hanks, who knows a lot of the modern-day players. I mean, yes, there's some of the old-school players who still come in, but uh he does pretty much the invitations he puts the shows together, but I try to get involved when the shows are formatted and coming out and for for the voice to still make it entertaining and make it so it is not real technical poker. it's the kind of poker that you can grab your beer and sit on your couch and watch.
1: yeah, I think that's um I think that's a lot of what's needed more these days is is not so much like technical um, strategy, like how what percent you should check raise on the turn and all that stuff. Uh, that's what I would think would make a good show, is more something that looks like fun to watch and has some shit talk or something. Um, you would know better than me, what is it that would attract a wider audience to poker and what is it that the audience is actually looking for?
0: Same thing Same thing that, that, that a rail bird, is attracted to. I mean, if in the old days when I was playing at Caesars Palace, there was no must-move games. So you pretty much sold your game to recreational players. There could be, I played seven-card stud and uh, it was a very, you know, it was pretty much the only game that everybody played. And we would have like 10, 15, 30, or uh, 30, 60 games going at Caesars Palace. Just way back, seven-card stud. And a recreational player, tourists would walk into the poker room which game do you think they would pick? If there was a seat open in six different games, they would naturally go to a game that everybody was laughing, high-fiving, you know, like, okay, that was the exciting game. Same thing is uh, true for television audience. I always think of them as rail birds. They're going to watch a game that is fun to watch. They're not going to watch a game that everybody's quiet and you, can, you might as well have their cardboards cut out and put there and and nobody knows if you know like if they're real players or not nobody's going to you know get get uh, um spend a lot of time watching something that is boring and that can that can quickly become the case if you don't have the right lineup in these cash games
1: oh really okay i would think that uh, what matters is just the creation of many different emotions. I, I'm not sure if I'm right about this, but if like so even if someone gets like really angry or really sad, for example, um, or like loses a lot of money, I would think that people would like to watch that more than they'd like to watch something a game where everyone's just stoic. Or am I just wrong? That is
0: so true. I I heard this uh, from a very talented producer. That they could drop you in the middle of a square, and in four corners of the square something is happening. In one corner, Tiger Woods is hitting chip shots. Another corner, Tom Brady is basket, or, is throwing passes to uh, uh, you know uh, throwing football. And the other corner, Michael Jordan is taking you know uh, to, you know like playing basketball or throwing hoops and three pointers, whatever. And in another corner two total strangers are in the fight. The fight breaks up between two total strangers. You will see 90% of the people watching that corner. (laughs) Here's all these famous, you know, uh, well-known folks doing their craft. And yet you're more, you know, prone to get dragged into uh, watching two two guys go That is pretty much a television rule. You can have we can have all the greatest famous poker players sitting there and playing, not saying award, and then you can bring in total strangers that go at it in, in a much smaller game. But you know, like a controversy that can break out, and they're going at it, and sure enough, like everybody wants to watch that. So uh, obviously, it would be better if you could have them both. If you have great players that also know, you know, how to uh, make the game fun, that would be the incumbent Right,
1: right. Well, that's what I've been aiming to do is chat. Try-
0: Somebody like Macho Man that come in, you know, the great player that can all of a sudden says, you know what, I'm going to crush everybody in this
1: game. So
0: you, you, you understand that better than most.
1: Oh, um, well, yeah, I just decided it would be like, yeah, I mean, most poker players are quite humble. I mean, poker teaches you to be humble in many ways. And, to, and it rewards people that have a very, um, what's the word, very honest view of their skills. It's not a good idea uh, to think you're better than how you are. Some most people end up being that way, but they also be, end up being very boring. So, um, yeah, that was kind of my idea behind that. But uh, one thing I realized from at least – Uh, actually doing a little bit of research on wrestling is that a lot of these uh, wrestling fights have all these backstories and people are are betraying each other and there's all this drama and all this nonsense and like poker feels like it could have I mean I don't know about the betraying and it does have that too basically I'm happy to like throw out some names and cause some drama about people that have uh, (laughs) stolen money from me or anyone else I'm totally happy to stir up some drama about that because I think they deserve it frankly I feel like that could, element could be thrown in there. Certainly it can be painted as like a story, even if it's not really true a lot of the time. I think that would be make it more entertaining to watch. But maybe you have uh, some other thoughts on all this.
0: Well, look, I'm hoping at some point technology is uh, advanced enough and players get relaxed enough. Mm-hmm. That combination of new technology and, and the players uh, can create a lot bigger... Uh, uh, interaction sort of not even though it's a one way interaction but just imagine if, you, if they could hear your thoughts when you yeah. were doing table hearing it um, we tried to do something you know like rudimentary a little bit not, not exactly you, you know we, we just tried in a few years back to put a camera behind a player and say listen be, before you act you can turn around to the, to the mic and say something that everybody, the audience is hearing it on TV, but the table is. And um, I, I put that behind the player that I thought would be very successful and very natural for him to do it, and it still didn't work. All, all he had to do was turn around and say, I'm going to block John and uh, watch him fold. Or I'm or saying that I think he's only got two forwards. And, uh, you know, like, let me see if I can move him out of it. And if he was correct... I think he's only got two fours. Can you imagine, you know, being a viewer, and somebody read the read the other person so perfectly and make the right play? That could have been like pretty cool. So uh, so far, I haven't seen it done, you know, correctly and smoothly without you know like interrupting the game or uh, you know players being comfortable to do it. But maybe someday it can happen.
1: It doesn't sound that hard to do to some extent. Like if you're bluffing someone, obviously you don't say it in the middle of the hand, but you say it after, you can say, like, well oh, I put you on two fours. if they had two fours it would just be like a matter of building that habit, I would think. I mean I I'm thinking to myself as you're saying it, while I'm thinking of calling I can say this. While I'm thinking of raising I can say some things. And if I bluff someone I could if I'm if my habit's built enough, my awareness is built enough, it feels realistic to say. But I think uh, I would personally have to be reminded a few times to get it right, because it'd be really hard to like think of these sorts of things to like say this on top of like facing a difficult decision.
0: But, uh, I'll but you, I'll,
1: it could be done. huh.
0: I'll hold you to it. Next time you're playing, all right I'm going to show you a trick that you can talk to your audience and let's okay. see how well you pull it off. Nobody all at right. the table is going to hear it. And our producers are going to know that you're getting ready to say something, so or okay. sure your mic is adjusted correctly, and talk to the audience. And let's see okay. how they're...
1: I'll look into the camera and talk to the audience. It'll be funny. Like this is you, this
0: don't, even of... Of... you don't even huh. have to look at the camera. I'll, I'll show you the trick when next time you're playing. Maybe maybe at the final table of the World Series this year.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I'll look into the camera. Uh, this this sounds fun to me because all these weird like things that uh, like talking um, I don't even know how to describe it, these like strange social situations are up my alley. Uh, no. so I'm interested, just shout, Jungle Man, say what you're thinking. And uh, that'll that'll get me on cue or like I don't know, will add like a special pen or a sign or something like that. it will be good. no more.
0: No more. I know exactly what to do? So next time, I'm gonna hold you to it. I'm gonna remind you, hey, we, we were gonna try something to see for them, and I think you'll be very okay. good. All
1: right. Uh, I think um, last time, I'm thinking, I'm not sure how we got on this one subject. We were talking about legalizing poker in in California. Maybe this was because this will be good for poker. Maybe this is like what poker needs is just like more legalization. Or am I uh, a little confused here? I Look, forget how we got on that topic.
0: Perfect combination of uh, elements that absolutely put poker on steroids in uh, 2006, you know, that era was obviously the whole cams, you know, and making making it popular on TV. Then here comes the internet. And now everyone had a chance to watch something on TV and practice at home, just go on the internet and play for real money. Um uh, College students, you know, like you could just imagine this scenario. You're, you're, they're all getting ready to go to uh, uh, clubbing, you know, like Friday night. And then there's one friend sitting there and playing. And somebody says, Hey, what are you doing? So I'm in a tournament that, you know, cost me $10 and I can win like 1800 And all of a sudden, like eight or nine, 10, this is they're all just fascinated and they're watching him, sweating him. And forget the nightclub. This is more fun. All that went away. All that. With uh, internet shutting down and poker not being legal, went away. So it is it is important to bring that back, and it is disappointing to see that sports betting came three years ago and it's in thirty states, and poker has been struggling all this time, and we are enforcing. So and we are still waiting for some of the big states like California. That's really. Used to be pretty much, you know, quarter of uh, all the people playing on the internet in the world, and still, you know, debating, going back and forth. It's it's come up for votes, and every time it comes in, whether it runs into problems with the Indian reservations or uh, or things that I don't know, whatever that happens, it just doesn't pass. So if somehow poker was Moving along alongside of sports betting, and it was coming to uh, many of the states and becoming, you know, like a national, uh, 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 becoming legal to play nationally. You know, where, where states can, you know, have liquidity, meaning everyone can play. You know, like you don't have to be in your state; only your state. You could people from Nevada could play. Anywhere else, you know, play New Jersey, play uh, Michigan right now and, and go on playing all these other states. Of course, it can come back and it can come back a lot bigger. All I'm hearing these days is how much it's growing. And you don't see it in the U.S. because, yeah, it's growing everywhere else. Texas Holden is growing in Germany, not in Texas. <laughs> you know, it's like so weird. Um, yeah, it, it would be a huge boost for uh, poker if it comes back again. And this time, you know, with all the legal.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, I'm a bit curious why, I mean, I suspect it's just money oriented. I mean, it's it's clearly not because, I mean, it just seems insane to think that sports betting isn't gambling, but poker is gambling, like what? Like, no, like you could actually, there's really a really very real chance of people making money from poker. Whereas in many sports, it's it's very difficult to make money. It's, like, impossible, in fact. Yeah. Uh, like, NBA totals, I know, is unbeatable. And then, you know, you're up against, like, people with all these statistical models, whereas that's not necessarily true in poker. I mean, yeah, you can play against these, all the internet guys and their sims, simulations and whatever, but it's not the same as playing, you know, betting sports against someone with who's, who's like, you know, spent... All this money developing models and all the shit and you have to beat the bookies who are really good and that kind of thing where you can just play Look, your own game hmm?
0: i love it i love it that sports 30 states i think it's beautiful i mean i i i bet sports i'm not a sports better but it sure makes the game a lot more fun just like anything else and you know this better than most people out there's not a game that you can't gamble on. And yours truly has gambled on holding his breath, <laughs> running against someone playing volleyball, basketball, you name it and we've gambled on. Monopoly doesn't matter. You can gamble on any game anytime. It's there's going to be very small percentage of the society that would have problem with that. Just like they have problem drinking. That doesn't mean you can just say, okay, stop everything. It can't happen. The truth of the matter is 99% of the people are going to play a $5 tournament on Friday night and have a ball. And it's going to be just the greatest roller coaster they've been on. And that one time they make the final table of the tournament, is, they're never going to forget the rest of their life. And it's not going to make any difference than them going to Disneyland. Look, if you if you just got hooked on going to Disney and every night you go broke, Those rides are expensive. <laughs> but if you're going there like, you know, twice a year, you're having a ball, and that's what you know, I, you know. I mean, maybe a bad example I'm giving, but if you're if you're have if you have control over your life that you're supposed to, nothing is more pleasant than play poker. I mean, it's just there's just so much to the game that's pleasant.
1: It uh, reminds me, it feels like, I mean, if you look at it in a certain way, like everything is kind of a gamble, it just you view everything as sort of like a currency that you're wagering, like your time or, you know, your like efforts or, you know, your money and other things. Or, you know, if you go to college, you're like gambling on your future. If you don't go to college or, you're not gambling on your future. If you go to Disneyland, you're like taking a pretty good gamble, but you're still like gambling on your time and you're uh, in a way that's like not exactly attractive, but uh, you spending your money on your time in a way that you think you're going to get fun out of it sort of thing. And then you have to pay it later. You think it's a good investment sort of. It's kind of ironic, in my opinion. And it's really ironic that people care that much what other people do. This I don't really understand. But I want to ask, what's, uh, what's the future hold for you? Uh, you got any shows coming up? Any big plans? Going to play some more poker?
0: Well, uh, I, I definitely miss playing. I've been playing some mixed games uh, just to learn them. And, and to me, like any new form of poker is fascinating to learn. But uh, I'm, I'm also, you know, like I, I was always a limit player my, all my life and transitioning to no limit. Uh, that alone, even though, like, I know this, this, this might come across really weird to a lot of people, like, this guy is producing all these games. What is he, so dense that he just never learned? It doesn't work that way. Yes, I watch you guys play. I see what you're doing. If, and it looks easy. And like I said, you jump in there and play. It's a different game. No Limit Holder fascinating. I mean, it really is. I've gotten this age, and I started playing, like, in the last three years, more and more, getting into the game and playing with different people, and just sit in the game and watch everyone and try and say, what a different game than Limit this game is. It's just different world, completely different world. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm... I'm Hoping to play a little more and more no limit hold. I can't play in any of the games that we produce. That that's that's just goes without saying. I'm never going to play anything that we're producing. Um, I have access to way too much, you know, uh areas of the production. Uh, not too many people have the kind of I have. So to me, having that kind of access and playing is it does absolutely doesn't make any sense. Um but um the future, you know, this, this is a game. This is this is not a fad. This is not poker. Has been around for over a thousand years, or maybe maybe two thousand years. It's not going anywhere. It's just growing. You just you just have to give it give it the proper uh, uh, boost. We have to hope the legislators come around and uh, help to put good rules and laws in place. And if they don't do it, just undergrounds are going to take over. We don't want that. We want players to um, play good, honest game. We don't want like, every little news that you come up from one player puts us back so many years. Because politicians, people that are against poker, they're always going to bring those cases forward. You know that. And and the stereotype is going to happen. You know, you play poker, it's going to be uh, this and that. Just like the old movies, you always saw aces in somebody's sleeve. And, you know, like telling them that's not the poker. You know, that's something you saw in the old movies. Today's world, poker players are smart people from computer science to uh, you name it. They're playing this game. And uh, and and 99.99% of them are playing very honest, straightforward game. And then there's those few that just muddy up the water so bad. Uh, we have to... Hopefully, I, I mean, I don't know how it works like in the brick and mortar. It took a while, but I think it got cleaned up really nicely. Um, so same thing has to happen online. It has to be clean. You just can't ever think of playing the game that there's a doubt in the back of your head that something is not right. How can you possibly play the game? How can you sit in the game and have a doubt that something may be fishy? And play your game. You can't. It's it's. It makes it very unpleasant. So um, we all have to come together as an industry, uh, make sure that there's uh, there's enough security placed in the games that there are no uh, questions that can't be answered coming from politicians. And then force you know the inevitable. To become the reality, poker I, I, has become legal. I, I mean, online. I mean, online poker. Obviously, many yeah. of the states are brick
1: and mortars. I definitely agree with that. I think, um, yeah, the cheating stuff kind of does work and sort of like does really hurt the whole image a lot. It's really hard for most people to see that because the cheating stuff just like blows up the media even like one little case and you know even though like countless transactions go smoothly um there's some term for this like silent information uh, it's just really easy to think there's all this cheating going on or whatever that's not true that's an availability heuristic it's a bias um that that just seems really prevalent just because it's really easy to pay attention to those those like crazy a one-off situations um, and it's really easy to like think of them when you're running really bad and you don't know what's going on and that sort of thing it is it is too bad but um, I do think you know the only thing you can do is to try to educate people and to try to like um, reprimand people for doing the wrong thing I think people that do the right thing should be upraised a little bit more like no one really cares that much when people pay debts uh, when they shouldn't and or not when they shouldn't, when um, when it's very hard. To, because it's kind of like, why are they even doing it? They're only doing it for the principal to just do the right thing. There's not even like... I mean, incentives are actually against paying debts uh, these days. Which shouldn't be the case. But yeah, um, that's a big part of the fight for sure. I mean, I do think there's a lot of prejudice against poker players. And people just think... We're all gamblers, but it's not at all the case. Almost all the high stakes players, especially that I know, or almost all the players that are successful, are quite smart.
0: And oh, one hundred percent. I I can't. I am so proud of so many younger uh, kids that are playing. Uh, I I just I admire them so much. They are people of principle. And, and uh, every time I play with them, it, it just manifests itself very clear to me that these these guys are good people playing good. And yet, uh, it's so painful to see, like you said, that one or two incidents, how far it puts them behind. Because if the game doesn't grow as fast, or even companies like ours that are, you know, so many people working so hard put this game out there and... If something like this happens, maybe the major sponsors won't look at poker because you know they don't want to be associated. Why? Because that was the loudest noise that came out in 2022. Oh, this happened, that happened. You know, like uh, and and the other you know uh, million hands ever played by uh, by complete you know like honest good people. Mm-hmm. Nobody's talked about that one or two. Of course, it's going to be coming coming out and just washing everything away. So yeah, it's, 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 a uh, it's a challenge that takes all of us, uh, to overcome.
1: And I, I agree that the poker players tend to be pretty good people for the most part. They're just kind of apathetic. That's my only qualm you could uh, claim with them, which I don't blame them for that. One's more understandable than a lot of issues with society. Uh, try to change that, but that's a little challenging, also. Um, so, are, uh, any is there anything our viewers can look forward to, Maury, that uh, you want to tease well, them for?
0: Of course, uh, we are. We um, put plans for WSOP this year to stream every day. Mm-hmm. So look forward to uh, forty-five days of non-stop streaming. All right, uh, you, you will. You will definitely get your. Uh, uh, you know. <laughs> your satisfaction of watching tournaments uh, nonstop. So that's one plan. And, of course, uh, our own tour, Poker go Tour, uh, that really, in my opinion, is uh, is as close as it gets to crowning the greatest tournament player in the world. And each December, we doubled the price, pulled the giveaway to a million dollars from 5,000. So... Uh, so, basically, it plays uh, very similar to PGA. PT, you have to qualify, make the cut, and 40 players that earn the most uh, points by playing all year round, usually against the other tough players, they qualify to play this. So, um, uh, that, that's that's always been fascinating to me, to see it, you know, come together. And um, I, I think no one can dispute that person, you know, yes, I understand. We, we all agree that you know it's still going to come down to 40 players playing, uh, you know, a very speedy structure over three days. But to get there to become one of the 40, they've played the entire year. So, um, I want to say, test of time has been there, and uh, winner is going to be definitely my, in my book, the best player of the year.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm, uh, hopefully the viewers will, uh, keep that in mind and, um, uh, be ready for that one. And of course. Very ready for the best tournament player of the year. There um, Anything else you'd like to say before we, uh, head out, Maury?
0: No. Um, well, poker has always been my life. And, um, uh, uh, I I don't know how many years I'm going to be, uh, uh, you know, doing what I'm doing now. But I know for the rest of my life, I will cherish every moment of it. And uh, I just hope that everyone out there that's in the industry, uh, give it all they have. This game is worth it.
1: Thank you, Maury. I right. uh, the other Poker players and the people who devote their lives to this game or uh, make their living for the game listen to that and keep that in mind from someone who's truly uh, devoted to it. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Bori. Thank um, you. It
0: was great being with you.